Hey listeners, it's Ryan from the Big Ed Idea Podcast. So I'm curious, are you as excited about these in-person conferences being back as I am? Have you heard about the 2022 Teach Better Conference this October 14th and 15th in Akron, Ohio? I definitely love my Teach Better family, so I am super excited to share a pretty cool opportunity for you to save $50 on tickets. Head over to www teachbetterconference.com forward slash register and use the code IDEA2022. Who knows? Maybe I will see you there. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and a podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. the Big Ed Idea Podcast, a podcast for those looking to change the world through education. Each week, we bring you a new idea, however big or bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now here's your host, our dad, Ryan Scott. Welcome back. Welcome back, Big Ed Idea listeners. Um, yeah, so we are in for a really good episode. I've got the return. Actually, this is kind of like a, you know, sometimes you go on a dude's podcast and he's like, yeah, let's like return the favor. And so I'm super excited to welcome back um, a gentleman. I was actually on his podcast. I think we we talked maybe about a year ago, um, but this is episode 2.24 and it's with my buddy, Nick man you may or may not know him he is a former marine captain founder of advocate in education and the teacher fit craze on twitter and currently he is running a wilderness therapy company in georgia so without further ado nick welcome back to the big eight idea podcast it is great to be here. Like you said, we talked about a year ago, you were on my show, the Teacher Fits Podcast, right. the Humans right. of Education. So it's great to reconnect. I know you've got a lot going on. We've had so many changes, both of us in our lives since then. So it's it's an honor to be here. Yeah, it's crazy how much uh, can change in like a year. Like, So a year ago, I was an assistant principal at a high school. Um, a year ago, you were traveling the country in your van. Was that right? Yeah, I had converted a Ford Transit cargo van and I was traveling out west, you know, just connecting in nature and running the teacher fit and student fit programs, you know, from there with a little bit of help from a hotspot. That is so cool. Like, like uh, anybody out there, if, if you're, you know, you're listening, you need to check out uh, teacher fit and advocate in education. Nick would like post these beautiful pictures of like the Pacific ocean. And I'm like, Man, <laughs> what a lucky guy. Um, but no, now, now Nick, you're in Georgia, right? I am in Georgia this summer. I decided uh, based on some, some family stuff, you know, it was time to head back home. I've been out of Georgia since 2006 when I graduated college through the military and everything else. And, you know, I got some family members who are sick so took an opportunity to connect my passion for mental health and working with students with my passion for wilderness. And like you said, now I'm a program director for a wilderness therapy company up in the mountains of North Georgia as I continue to run uh, the teacher fit and student fit programs. 
man, that's really cool because, you know, we were talking prior to this and we're both wilderness geeks. Um, I love being out in the wilderness. You love being out in the wilderness. And, and, you know, um, I keep telling my wife, like, I need a weekend to decompress um, with how stressful things have been. You'll, you'll definitely understand when I say like, I need a weekend with nobody, but my dog out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> with no phone. Um, and so what I love about what, what I love about what you're, what you're saying here is that probably a lot of those kids that you have, um, now in this wilderness program, I bet being able to connect with nature is just like huge for those kids. Yeah, it is honestly probably the most beautiful thing I've seen. And I mean, I've, I've worked with students for a long time, but seeing students from all over the United States, New York City, Chicago, Atlanta, you know, suburbs around, around the nation, California, show up with absolutely zero experience camping or fishing or kayaking or rock climbing. And they all have a traumatic past where trauma-informed and trauma-responsive program. And just seeing them go from scared or angry their first day to connected in wilderness, passionate, passionate about learning themselves. And, you know, the beauty of wilderness is, is that we strip away all of those distractions, whether it's family or, you know, bullying at school or social media or some sort of addiction right, uh, to any, right. all kinds of substances. We take all of that away and it's just you as a human working on you. And That's it's just awesome. beautiful to see. I mean, they're in the woods for 80 plus days, which is oh, shocking really? to a lot of people. Wow. <laughs> and I can tell by your reaction, but they go from city kids who have never seen, yeah. it, like I said, all the way to like, they would teach you how to build a beautiful fire and cook on an open fire and take care of you in the, in the wilderness. And it's just amazing to see their transformation throughout the whole process. It's something that needs to be more common, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So um, if, if you're just now joining, if you've never listened to one of my one of my podcasts before, uh, you may not know, but but over the summer, I took over an alternative high school in uh, Evansville, Indiana, and many of my students are exactly like the kids Nick's got. And one of my crazy ideas um, actually is taking my students to southern Illinois, where this where's this really wonderful federal wildlife refuge and stuff, and taking my students out there for for days, just because I know how therapeutic um, it is to reconnect with nature. Yeah, I highly recommend that. You know, I'm starting to out do, do some outreach now that I got my feet wet to to schools and school districts. Like, hey, how can we partner together? How yeah. can we get be proactive. Like that's my big thing with all, everything that I've done in education is being proactive. How do we get students before they get to the point where they're being mandated yeah. to go to our program? Yeah. Like how can we create that experience prior to, and, you know, take care of issues before they manifest into something, you know, much more challenging. That's gorgeous, man. I love it. I love it. Okay. So let's get into this whole big ed idea podcast thing. Um, Nick, as, as we were talking, a big part of my belief system in education is just, uh, that connection before content that you got to know uh, those people that are in your classroom or you got to know those people that are in your building before you can really um, start to, you know, 
attack any of the content. And so these first two segments is just to find out a little bit more about Nick um, while you are finding out a little bit more about who this Ryan guy is. And so my first section is what's up at the Scott house. And so um, I've got three words. Nick has got three words and and we're going to describe kind of what our life is like right now. And so my three words are soccer, pool, and cheer time. And, and, and here's kind of what I mean. Soccer. Um, it is fall soccer season. I have always coached one of my four girls. Um, and actually this year I'm coaching my soon to be 11 year olds team and my six year olds team. So that ought to be fun. Um, and then also today was the end of the pool season here at the Scott house. And so my wife and I closed the pool down, uh, shed a couple tears and then last but not least, my 11-year-old also made the cheer squad. So not only is she going to be doing soccer this fall, she's going to be doing cheer, which means mom and dad are going to be running like six days a week. Um, yay, raw, but that's just what you do as parents. So that's what's going on at the Scott house. Uh, Nick, what's going on where you're at? So to keep it simple, I'm going to say busy, <laughs> right? Gra- gravel biking. Oh, and then app development. And I know that okay. sounds like fun and not so fun, but busy. Obviously, it's the beginning of the school year. So we're really busy with teacher fit and student fit. And then obviously my new opportunity that I'm taking. So that takes up a lot of time. It's a real job. You know, I've been working for myself <laughs> for almost a decade after the Marine Corps. And now people want me to come to work and do that yeah, kind of like, thing. What's so that's, that? Yeah. That's that's new and different. Um I just got into gravel biking when I got back here. I've been a mountain biker and a road biker previously, but there's a lot of beautiful mountain roads. So I bought a gravel bike and I'm getting huh. into that, which is like all the rage out Midwest I've heard. Um, and then app development, we just, it should be launching as we speak our new student fit app with our big mental health check-in. So that should be launching right now, the new version. So that's been me and my partner, Atib, who's been with me for the whole ride of teacher fit and student fit. Um, he's been working hard on that. I give ideas. I'm the big idea guy and he kind of yeah, makes yeah, it yeah. happen. I so get that. He hates me deep down, but he also loves me. So <laughs> that's what it's like at the Nick man house. <laughs> I love it, dude. I love it. Yeah. So I've never heard of gravel bike. Um, I've definitely heard of the mountain. I've definitely heard of the road. I grew up on gravel roads. Um, so yep. it's cool to know that there's actual a, a thing called gravel biking. Yeah. So it's, it's basically a road bike with a little bit, uh, wider forks in the, in the front and rear, and you can put a little bit bigger tire, but you don't necessarily need, you know, the suspension that you have on a mountain bike. Cause you're just doing longer rides. Sure. Roads. Sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's picking up big time. It's kind of the, all the new rage in the U S with regards to professional cycling. So it's very cool. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. So my, our next section is the two for two. And that's where uh, I've got a couple getting to know you questions. I've pulled some out of my hat. Um, So my first one, my friend, I know you are a busy guy, but what is the best thing that you have read in the last five years? Oh, wow. Five years. So what's Um, that one book that pops out? Right off the top. Yep. I'm going to go with essentialism. Oh, and I could, I could have told you the author if you didn't ask me that question. Um, I'm going to look it up. Essentialism. Okay. Essentialism. It's basically figuring out what is essential for you and removing all the rest. There's so many distractions in the world, which we've kind of hit on 
uh, either before the show or as we started, but just figuring out those essential habits, those essential activities that really mean something to you and then removing the rest and just finding focus time. His second book, uh, I cannot remember the author, I'm embarrassed, but the second book is deep work and they're connected. So figuring out what's essential and then focusing and like putting in the work on those things. I'm going to check that out. Actually, my book um, is kind of related to that, Atomic Habits. I don't know if you've ever read that book. James Clear, Atomic Habits. Yep. James Clear, one of my favorite books as well. I run all of my teacher fit challenges with the teachings of James Clear and developing healthy habits. So one of my my favorites. Right on. Okay. So, um, okay. Actually, I was really torn on this question. So I'm really curious to see what you say, but what do you think is the best decade for music? Oh man. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like I have two. Gonna, in- it, it's hard. It's, it's a hard one. I'm going to pull something out. I, I'm going to go nineties hip hop. <laughs> exactly so, what I thought. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, I mean, d- depending on the genre, you could go yeah. a lot of different places, but you know, I grew up in the nineties and Ditto. You know, that's, that's where it was. We're living outside of Atlanta. So yeah, yeah, was, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, for sure. Like during, I remember living when I was in the nineties thinking like all these other decades, like there's all these things that you could point to that are make the, that, that decade special. And I'm like, there's nothing special about the nineties. And then I look back at it and I'm like Nirvana, um, yeah. diggable planets, um, Jurassic five, um, Charlie tuna. Like I love nineties hip hop and I'm always trying to introduce it to students at school. They don't like it like I do, but (laughs) I still think nineties hip hop is way better than what kids are listening to these days. Oh, for sure. For sure. (laughs) Okay. Nick, what questions might you have for me? Oh, number one, I know you had the new, you just started a new opportunity and we kind of discussed that, but what are you most excited about right now? What am I most excited about right now? I'll be honest. Like I'm really excited about the direction that our school, that my school is going. Um, we are kind of clamping down on expectations, something that has not been super there for the last couple of years. And so kids are starting to really get in line. Um, I started a, uh, what, what we're calling the student squad and where I randomly pick two kids from every grade level has nothing to do with behavior. Um, it's just a time where I buy them lunch and every Friday we talk, we brainstorm things that they want to see in the building. We brainstorms way that they want to get there. Um, because it's all based around my the idea um, of the building for this year is to make sure every student, every staff, every uh, parent feels valued, seen and heard. And so this is my way of not only showing my students that they're heard, but showing that, that I value them, that even if they had a rough week, I'm still going to buy you lunch on Friday. And we're still going to talk about what you think um, your opinions for the building. So that's what I'm really excited about Right. right now. Yeah, I saw that post on Twitter for the student squad and I loved it. Yeah. Like, I think it's impactful. Uh, my second one, again, kind of tying into your transition into this new role. 
What's the number one lesson learned from your previous educational experience that you took into this year? Dang. So relationships, relationships, relationships. Um, I have tried really, really hard to get to know my, all of my students, all 200 of my students. Um, I sit down with them. I, I have been trying to interview all 200 kids within the first 300, first 30 days, excuse me. And just getting to know them, letting, yep. you know, asking them those questions. What's the best thing about this school? What would you like to see changed about the school? What's one thing you want your teacher to know about the school? And I try to spend about five minutes with every student. And then I tell them my story um, and tell them how excited I am to be at a building that I really should have been in if I had been caught. Um, right. And so like, I, I am really, I want them to know. Um, and one of the kids actually said this the other day, they said, you know, Mr. Scott, we're doing the same things that kids do in all the other high schools. We just got caught. I said, yeah, mm-hmm. you're exactly right. You are no different. Yep. And so, yeah, building those relationships with my students. Um, I had somebody, which I don't agree with, tell me that as a principal, I should be adult facing, not student facing. And, and I don't really agree with that. Um, right. I want my kids, my students to know me. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, I think leadership, especially in education, I mean, any relationship that you can have, it goes, it goes both ways. Obviously you're taking care of staff. You're getting to know your staff, Sure, sure. but students, students are going to see you. So you don't need to be just mythical figure, right? No, You don't know which students you can impact. Everyone's going to relate to someone else. So if if you're that, that person who has that human connection with certain students, like if, if you're, if you're only adult facing, you're missing that opportunity. I completely agree. Completely agree. Okay. So Nick, now that I know about you a little bit and you know a little bit more about me, um, let's, let's start walking down this uh, gravel road towards what our big ed idea is. Let's do it. Okay. And, and uh, listeners, Nick is a little bit different than some of my other uh, guests that we've had so far. I think 80 something ish, guests um, because Nick honestly doesn't come from an education background. Now, obviously Nick went to school as we all have to. Um, Nick did graduate from college, um, but after college, Nick took a little bit of a different turn. He didn't go into the education world. So Nick, normally at this time, I ask my stat or my uh, guests, okay, what's your origin story? How did education find you? Um, And I guess I'm going to ask you the same thing because you are in the education space, um, but you found it a non-traditional route. And so, Nick, would you tell us what your origin story is? Yeah, absolutely. I When I did graduate college, uh, <laughs> I, I went directly into the Marine Corps as an officer. You know, I decided my senior year in high school that I wanted to be a Marine after reading Making the Corps, a great book mm. that I recommend to all seniors in high school. <laughs> um, and I spent eight years in the Marine Corps as an infantry officer and loved every absolute minute of it. And I finished my last three years teaching at the basic school, um, leadership, tactics, ethics, all the things about the Marine Corps to every new officer that came in for those three years. So I did have some classroom instruction. You know, we taught large 300 size amphitheater classes all the way down to small discussion groups with our students. So a little bit of education time there. And I, I really loved it. 
But as I transitioned out of the Marine Corps, I was really big in the health and fitness space, transitioned into starting my own uh, gym business. And through that business, really, I continued to want to work in our local school district. And I've told the story on so many podcasts, but I like went to almost every high school and middle school in my district. Like, Hey, I, I just want to like donate my time and start an after school program and like work with students and mental health, physical health, Absolutely yoga, great. Yeah. all these things. And I could not get the slightest bit of, you know, response, but I finally got one with, you know, now the world renowned Hamish Brewer. Oh I saw him, yeah. I saw him in the Washington post as this rogue principal who was taking over this challenging middle school just so happened to be down the street from my gym. So I showed up in the middle of the summer and we both had tattoos and I had a huge beard and he was like, what are you doing here? And I was like, I came to see you. <laughs> and, uh, he gave me an opportunity to start an after school program at his school. And we did that starting in, I think the 18, 19 school year, 17, 17, 18 school year. Okay. And you know, it was an amazing experience and the teachers wanted to be involved. So we started a teacher after school program. So we were doing students three days a week, two teachers, two days a week, and then other schools wanted it. And it just kind of snowballed from there to, to shifting everything online, which became the teacher fit program. Uh, and we started that in the spring of 20. And then we launched the teacher fit app, um, the 2021 school year, which was wild for everyone. But we went, you know, from three schools in our district to like a hundred schools right before COVID hit. And then it's just kind of been crazy ever since then with teacher fit and student fit. And yeah, now I'm in the education space. That's awesome. That is awesome because I didn't know that about you. Um, Hamish was my 50th guest, kind of one of those people when I was, yeah, when I was doing this podcast um, and I'll tell the story not to deviate from you, but um, I was one of those principals in Kentucky where I was like really trying to like, okay, there's a mold and you need to stay in the mold and you need to follow the principal mold. And then I went to our state principal conference and lo and behold, they had Hamish as the, like the keynote speaker. And so my, my thought was, well, if they're okay with this dude coming to teach all of us, right. Right. You know, that must be okay for me to, you know, be my own type of person. And so I reached out to Hamish and he uh, was very, you know, he was, he was awesome about coming on. So he was like episode 50, but yeah, that's really cool. I did not know that. Yeah. He's been a huge supporter since day one. I mean, we basically launched the program in his school and, you know, he's been a great friend and, you know, partner in all of this. And we still keep in touch. I know he's, he's moved on to speaking and consulting and all these things, but we still stay connected. So it, you know, he, he took me under his wing and gave me an opportunity and we've been going ever since. I love it. What I love, uh, Nick, about your stories, you just, you got this idea, like, I'm just going to go to these schools and I'm just going to tell them what I want to do and we'll see if they like it or not. And, uh, lo and behold, some, you know, some of them did and it took off. Yep. Yep. I'm a big, I mean, I'm sure just like you, I, I am the ideas. My mind goes crazy with ideas. All the time. And, yeah. And most of them don't work. Like, yeah. honestly, if, if you're yeah. an educator who, who's like thinking like, I'm going to try this, like I've right. tried so many things and I'm still trying so many things. And you know, the only way you can find out is if you just, you go for it and that's right. know, some work and some don't work and you learn from others and, you know, you just figure it out as you go. And that's, yeah. the, that's the, the fun and the challenge of all of it. That is the fun part. And I love, you said earlier, you've got a dude on your team that kind of takes these big, big ideas and, and kind of 
puts them into, you know, something manageable. Um, <laughs> yeah. I get it. I get it. Okay. So, um, yeah, so it's really cool the way that you found the education space, taking drawing from your military experience, uh, drawing from your physical fitness experience, um, just taking a leap of faith and just doing it. Um, so I'm, I'm interested, you know, sometimes people have, what I've found is a lot of the best ideas in education that I have found come from people outside of education that see it a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Um, and so before we get to that big idea of what you have for ed, I've got to ask you, what do you see as the problem or a problem in education? I think the problem in education that I'm trying to solve is its reactive nature with yeah. regards to mental and mental, physical and emotional wellness, yeah. both in students and educators where, you know, it's obviously the primary focus of education is educating the students, but we can't negate the fact that we have the captive audience that are our students. And then we're in charge of taking care of our educators. And then without doing both of those, we're never going to meet the mark that we desire with regards to education. We can't negate human wellness, mental, yeah. physical, and emotional wellness, because, you know, in the hierarchy of needs, I need to be mentally well in order to receive education. And on the other side, if I'm an educator, I need to be mentally, physically, and emotionally well to walk into my class and provide education that's inspirational and challenging and something I can remember. But if I'm not hundred percent, I can't deliver to my students. And if my students are hundred percent, they're not receiving anything because they're just surviving. And that, I think that's what we see from so many students in your school specifically, like kids come in from this environment that they, they need safety and security and comfort and care yeah. in order to learn. And I think we're just very reactive. We're hoping it gets better. And as you're seeing, like, it's not, yeah. like, it is not, we're not getting better. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love something you said, you, you touched on the humanity um, aspect of education. You know, we, we aren't, you know, maybe there was a time and I think that's long gone. Maybe there was a time where education was just for, you know, teaching the X's and the O's and the ABC's and the numbers. And we, that is long, 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 long gone. Um, I see a space education space where, you know, we've got to teach the whole, all dimensions of a person. And, and that's what I really like about what you said, the reactivity towards mental, emotional, and physical health. I could not agree with you more. Yep. I, th I mean, in, in an age when there's this ball sitting on my counter over here, I won't say its name, but it can give me the answer to any question I ask it. <laughs> and, you know, we're still teaching things that I, I haven't, I have in my hand, a computer that's smarter than anything we could ever imagine when it, the, yeah. the way we do education was built. And, you know, I think we're, we're just losing a, an amazing opportunity to teach human life skills and set students up for success. So they're not fighting the same problems that you're like our peers are fighting. If you look at like, what are, what are the challenges that adults are facing right now? Mental health, obviously yes, is a huge one. Absolutely. Relational health physical health, all yeah. of those problems are what create like issues. Not we didn't get to like finance and those types of things, like all these things that we're not really teaching to a hundred percent, but we're teaching, you know, 
algebra, algebra cube. Or the, these these types of things that I can ask this little ball on my counter, you know, to do the to do the problem, and it'll give me an answer before any teacher can. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah, think we're missing exactly an opportunity. Right. You're exactly right. I'm a huge uh, fanboy of Brene Brown. Um, and this last, I guess it was yesterday, I was mowing. So we've got five acres and I'm on my skag and I get to mow for four hours. So I put on podcasts and I just got to thinking after listening to one of her episodes, she was talking about talking to somebody about how anxiety and anxiousness are the most it most, what, how did she say it? Um, they are the most, you can catch it the most, the quickest, only second to calm. So what, what I mean by that, like if you walk into a room where everybody's anxious and anxiety and all of this stuff, like it spreads like wildfire, but kind of the so. same same thing around calmness. Um, and so I really got to thinking about my school and like really the product of my school is a good person. Like that's gotta be the product. And, and right. all of those dimensions that make up a good person is what you're talking about. The mental, the emotional, and the physical. Um, yeah. And, you know, I would add the academic piece, but Maslow yeah. says we can't do all that other stuff until we do the the base stuff. So yeah. Right. We have to, we have to have a foundation. We like, got and without that foundation. Like I, I, you know, and when I think back to school, I don't remember what I learned. Of course I learned a ton of things <laughs> that set me on a path to be successful sure. later in life. Sure. But what I do remember are the relationships. What I do remember are the educators who went the extra mile to care about me and like would talk to me offline or coaches that would, you know, stay after practice and, yeah. you know, help me with things or just, cared for me. Yeah. Like those are the teachers that I remember. Those are the educators that left an impact. Like I don't remember algebra. Like I couldn't answer my mom. My mom was a math teacher and like, I still can't do great math. <laughs> like you know, mom, if you're listening, sorry, mom. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, sorry, mom. Like, yeah. But I mean, yeah, we have to have that foundation of care. And I think your school is a great example. Like when those, when your students come in, like if they don't feel safe and cared for, you know, the change is never going to happen. Like they're, they are reactive, right? They're yeah. just reacting to how they feel. And sometimes that's not the best outcome, obviously. Have you heard of, uh, have you heard of the guy Amon Ra? You know, Amon Ra? So he's a principal. He was a principal out in Compton and he built both of his schools off of the idea of self-actualization. So that was the ultimate goal of his school was to climb to the top of that Maslow's hierarchy. Um, yep. and, and a lot of what he's saying, um, kind of what you're saying. And so, okay. So if those are the problems, so obviously we're being way too reactive. We know um, students, mental health, emotional. Um, I read the other day or a couple months ago that, um, there is a Gallup poll that's given every year to high school kids. And from 2009 to 2019, just prior to the pandemic, the hopelessness of high school students had plummeted 40 percent. Um, yep. So if that doesn't tell you the need for all of these things. Um, so, OK, Nick, what is your big ed idea to not be reactive? Obviously, in layman's terms, it's to be proactive. So right. you know, that's been the, that's been the focus of our teacher fit and student fit programs is to not wait for a teacher to be unwell 
in order to provide them something with, you know, IE, they need to go to the doctor. So we provide, you know, an employee assistance program where after they file a claim, they can go, you know, and seek medical health, whether that's mental, physical, emotional, whatever it may be. Um, it's to give them a resource, a, a legit resource that meets them where they're at so that they can take care of themselves, whether that's, you know, learning about nutrition, it's a yoga class. They can do at 5am in their basement, or they can do a fitness class with their husband or their spouse at 8pm at night, or they can do it after school together. It's a usable resource that puts, allows a teacher to put things in place. So they do feel well, they can show up for themselves, for their family, for their students in a healthy manner. And the same thing with students. That's, you know, my biggest passion is working with students. I love educators, but you know, all of us get into education to work with students. And that's the same thing with our student fit, you know, advocate program is seeking to give students an opportunity to ask for help before they've gone too far. Similar statistic. I just made a video for suicide awareness month, which is September. If you guys didn't know, that 20% of high school students in 2019, again, before the pandemic. Yeah, right. Before all this craziness. Acknowledged that they had had suicidal ideations. 9% said they had attempted a suicide. And like, I can only imagine those are now higher. Yes, sir. Based on what has gone on. And if we're not giving students resources, breathing practices, you know, mindfulness practices, uh, fitness classes, yoga classes that they can do, whether at school, at home, journaling prompts, you know, we're not giving them those tools to take care of themselves before it's too late. And we've all had, you know, challenging days and thoughts, but you know, if you didn't have a resource, it just gets worse. And then the last piece of that answer for the students is for leadership, like yourself, a daily check-in with a student. So you can see good, bad, and different, how every single student in your school is feeling that day. And if, if they need help, they can click a button and they can request help from an administrator, a school counselor, a teacher, whoever is in charge, whoever is that first student's line of defense to reach out and say, Hey, Ryan, what is going on? Like, how can I help today? Like we have to be proactive. We can't be school counselors. One counselor for, I think the average in the U S is 250 students. Right. Right. It's worse. It's worse in Australia. It's almost just as bad in Canada. Like every student needs an advocate and someone they can reach out and say, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. Because we know just sitting alone in a classroom, I'm not going to raise my hand and ask for help. I'm not going to like in between classes when I'm, I shouldn't be going anywhere, go find my school counselor and hope they're in their office. You know, we know they get assigned a thousand different duties. And this is what we found out when we were like talking to, talking to counselors, building this program is like, I'm never in my office. Like students say yeah. they tried to find me, but they were never there. Yeah. So providing a way for students to safely and effectively request help when they're in need, like everyone says, Hey, it's not all, it's not education's duty to, to solve every student's problem. You're right. It's not, there's tons of parenting that goes into it. But if we don't acknowledge the responsibility we have for the majority of the day that they're in the school, we're missing an opportunity to impact a life, to save a life. Like one of my words originally, your, your words were kind of lighthearted. So I changed my words real quick was sad because I see what my students in the wilderness therapy company are, are experiencing every day. And then I see how students are checking in on our app every day. Like we get anonymous reports to say like, Hey, here's how students are checking in. We've got thousands of students on the, in the program and there's suicidal ideations. There's bullying. There's all these things. And we have kids from, you know, 
first grade all the way to 12th grade. And it's the same problems. And they're, I was like, oh man, we've done it a year. Things are gonna be better this year. Week one, like we have multiple suicidal ideations, kids checking in, talking about hanging themselves. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah. oh my gosh, like, yeah, what are we doing? How can we fix this? Like we need to help. And, you know, that's my big idea. That's a long yeah. story longer. No, no. So yeah, I tell kids every day, every single day. And I tell my teachers this too. Life is the hardest thing you ever have to do. Um, and if anybody says different, you're an idiot or on drugs. Um, yep. But like, and we were talking about this today with a group of friends, like we have this, this, this skewed idea that the guy we're sitting next to, or the girl we're sitting next to has it better than we do because they, they, they maybe could, because they, um, they hide it better than we do or, you know, and what really, when, when, when me as a principal can tell, can sit next to one of my students and say, I've had those exact same feelings. Like I know exactly what you're going through and to be able to tell them that it's normal and the, 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 the process of, and here's my thing, the process of school that we are, in my opinion, we are helping these kids get through some rough stages in their life. Um, particularly for you and me, a lot, the kids that we deal with probably don't have the home environment to help them through those types of feelings, nope. you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you, I mean, there's so much downtime for these students, right? They go home, parents are working or, you know, there's only one parent and there's multiple siblings. Like there's just so many dynamics that go on. Like, where is that safe place for a student to, to ask for help? School. Like it just for for so many students, it doesn't exist outside of school, right? Yeah. Like you're not gonna. I didn't talk to my parents about that stuff. Like no, no, absolutely not. And nope. I didn't have a teacher to, to talk to. Maybe a coach. Yeah. yeah. That was like the closest I had to someone who I actually thought like really cared and like knew me as a human that I could turn to. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. I again, we were talking today, um, church, our small group. We were talking about the fact that. Um, as parents, if, if our students, and this is a big, if, if our students have two parents, if our, if our students have two parents that are probably professional, uh, working, um, you might get an hour and a half with your parents every night. Um, and, and that's throwing in dinner that's throwing in, um, you know, sitting around watching TV, you know, that's maybe, um, doing homework. So really how much time do you honestly get to spend with your caregivers during a week? It, at least in my house, it's not a lot. So I am yeah. praying, and this is as, as a dad, I pray that Chandler Elementary, we're all three of my girls, I pray that they are having these conversations about mental health because I can't have them. Yeah. And that's not even with like sports, right? Yeah. Right. I can, I think back to when I was a kid, like I played sports year round and it was really like, pick me up from school, go to practice, go to practice, go home, Taco Bell on the way home, <laughs> go to sleep yep. and wake yep. up the next day. And it's just, those conversations are having, and our generation who are having kids now, we, we didn't, we didn't have those conversations. So unless you're in the world of mental health or you've really experienced it, or you're going to therapy yourself, you're not even prepared for that conversation. Yeah, like we have yeah. to be able to give language and educate ourselves as parents and as ed educators on how to even speak to it, how to use the words that students are hearing 
on TikTok and they're hearing on whatever, whatever the next talk is, you know, students know more about mental health and anxiety and depression and suicide than we ever did at that age. I didn't even hear of it until sure. like, you know, in the Marine Corps, when we were dealing with, you know, veteran suicide and those types yeah. of things, like, yeah, as a student, I never heard about it, but now like they know, and because they have that language, oftentimes I think that's part of the problem is like, they're turning to that and like, Hey, this, you know, I'm heading down that right route and it gets worse and worse, but we have to be able to have those hard conversations with students and say like, Hey, it's okay that you feel this way, but you need to be able to ask for help and have a discussion about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think pr being proactive about that stuff is, is huge. Um, you know, whether it's an advisory program in your high school or your, your school where you are intentionally uh, doing SEL type of um, conversations every day, whether it's uh, my school, we are super lucky. We have a, actually our corp corporation has an entire neuroscience where we are teaching students about regulation, um, self-regulation. We have calming spaces in our, in our um, schools and we have SEL interventionists that are trained to de-escalate awesome. students. Um, but having said that, um, your, so student fit. Okay. Talk to us yep. how it works um, yeah. Talk to us how it works and selfishly, Nick, I'm asking you how it works. Cause, um, I think it's something that my school could really benefit from. Yeah. So at the basic level, student fit advocate is a daily wellness check-in on the student's Chromebook, tablet, phone, whatever works for your school to say, Hey, I'm going to check in. I'm doing well. I'm not doing so well. I'm indifferent. I need help. I'm depressed. Like we have five emojis and word descriptors and they simply just check, check which one they're feeling that day. And that data goes to their counselor or their teacher or whoever that student's advocate is. So we have a pulse of how our students doing, but then that next level of care is there's a simple button that says, check this button. If you want to request an appointment from your teacher, your counselor, whoever it may be. And if they click that button, they're able to type in, Hey, this is what I'm going through. This is why I need help. And that, as soon as they submit that, it pings the counselor on the student fit app. It sends them an email and says, Hey, Ryan Scott is requesting help. He says he's being bullied in PE and he's thinking about killing himself. Yeah. And that goes straight to that school leader at any level that, you know, wants to be included in that hierarchy. And they're able to now actively seek out that student. Cause the problem we just talked about is a counselor sitting there in an office, not to their, not, it's not their fault. Right. I have 250 students kind of waiting for students to come. Yeah. Ask right. Them. Right. Instead. Hey, it's normal. Every day we check in, we see how we're doing. And then if you need help, you check a box. Like that's, sure. that's who we are. It becomes natural to evaluate our feelings every day. And that day, like, even if I've checked in great for a hundred days of school and all of a sudden it's December and this time last year, maybe I lost a parent or, you know, I'm, I'm going through it or my parents are fighting at home. Now I know that it's normal for me to evaluate my feelings. I can check in that I'm not doing well. I can request help from my school counselor. And I know that I'm going to get a response. And then deeper into the program, we've got daily um, SEL videos, mindfulness videos, breathing practices, journaling prompts, the whole student fit fitness library, the whole student fit yoga library is all included in the app for the student and the school. And then lastly, counselors who have students, they're able to put counseling notes. You know, I met with Ryan today. We worked on, you know, coping, coping skills focused on this. And those notes will stay with that student. 
So if I start in first grade at a school district, as long as I've got that same email, those counselor notes are going to follow that student all the way through high school. So if you know the district buys it and stays on the program, every counselor in that student's lifespan at the school district will have access to that information. Very, very cool. Yeah, no, I love that. It's like a uh, what we call a continuum of care. So yep, it, it goes with them. It goes with them. No, I love yep. that. Because um, because uh, one thing that I implemented this year at my school, we're calling it. So we we are the Phoenix, and so um, I never pass up a great alliteration. And so I have um, asked teachers to do twenty minutes of fam time every class period. Um, and it's supposed to be geared around SEL. It's supposed to be geared around community building, that types of stuff. But what I have found is that teachers struggle developing those types of things because that's not how they were trained, you know? Right. So being able to have a resource that kind of has a lot of those things already embedded um, to me would be pretty darn beneficial. Yeah, just like just like our teacher fit program, we're trying to make it easy. We want it to be yeah. plug and play for the educator, right? Not all educators, you know, I'm a math teacher. I don't have an experience in mental health. I don't have an experience in SEL. You know, we talk about it in training, but like, you know, I'm not here creating an engaging mindfulness video for my students. If we can give you that and you can throw it on the smart board every day to start school. And it's like my class goes to a breathing practice every yep. single day after we yep. after we check in on our app. Like it, it, again, it becomes normal to talk and to experience mental health and to share your emotions and to journal. Like, I think we'd all be in a better place if that, that was the norm Journaling and, and, and sure. instead of it, instead of it being like, Oh, it's kind of a weird, like woo woo, like mindfulness, mental health. But if we make that the new normal for this generation, when they go to college, which obviously if you've looked at the data, universities struggle with mental health and, yeah. and suicide, just like, just like young students. And then obviously we know adults do as well. So if we can start that now, like we're going to have a much healthier adult generation in 10 years than we are currently. I love it. I love what you're doing, man. I love the, 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 uh, the concept of being proactive. I love the fact that you've got kind of, it's kind of a one-stop shop um, for the mental health and, uh, actual physical health of our students, staff. Um, so if anybody out there is listening, um, and they'd like to connect with you, they'd like to know maybe more about the student fit, um, or maybe just more about who Nick is, um, how can they get a hold of you? Yes. Yeah, so our biggest, uh, platform and where we post every single day is Twitter, uh, at teacher fit and student fit. I can't mm -hmm. remember this, something like that. You'll see it. If you get teacher fit, um, obviously we're on Instagram, same name. And then teacherfit.com has links to all of our resources. Excellent. Very, very cool. Well, Nick, it's been a lot of fun, uh, reconnecting with you. Glad to, glad to hear that, you know, um, that you have, I guess, branched out into wilderness therapy because, I, yeah, like you said, it's got like everything you love all rolled into one little thing, which it's not too little. But um, yeah, I love that. And I and I may actually be reaching out to you to to see if I could bring something similar um, to my building. Yeah, for sure. I would love that. Um, yeah, it's been great to get back at the ground level for a couple of years there after COVID. I was all online and I missed working with students and staff one-on-one -on -one and, and small groups. So it's been, it's been an amazing experience so far, only two months in, 
but uh, it's, it's amazing. It's great to reconnect with you as well. And I, I look forward to partnering and continuing to work together to impact your students and students all over the world. Beautiful, man. And with that, I want to tell uh, all those listeners out there from the Big Ed Idea podcast, thank you so very much for spending your time with Nick and I. Um, Time is super precious. We know that. Um, So being able to just steal a little bit of your time to listen to Nick and I talk about some subjects that we are extremely passionate about. I just want to tell you, thank you. I appreciate it. And if you are listening and you have a big ed idea, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. Um, You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan C. Scott, 1981. You can find the big ed idea podcast on Twitter as well. Um, I just thank you. I hope you have a wonderful evening, wonderful day, whatever it is. And as my big, uh, my grandfather, Big John Janoski, used to always say, until next time, I will see you in the funny paper. Thank you for hanging out with me here on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. My hope is that this would be a conversation, a meeting of the minds and a space for one person's vision to inspire the passions of another. However, none of this can happen without you. So let's be change agents together and build a better future. Please subscribe or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Come to the conversation with your passion, and together, let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper.